Well, if we could, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling this morning, if we could turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read, uh, the Gospel according to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and if we read again at verses uh, 28 to 30. John chapter 4 at verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Come, see a man. Come, see a man. In a week that has just gone by, Uh, we have once again been reminded of the uncertainty of life and the reality of death. Our TV screens, our radios, all social media, uh, they've been filled with the news of of Manchester and the awful tragedies of last Monday evening. And although these things often seem so distant and far removed from us in the Western Isles, uh, they have been brought home to our own shores. Uh, with the tragic loss of that uh, teenage girl from Barra. And you know, in times like these, what can we say to these things? How do we address these issues? How do we respond? How do we deal with death, especially in such tragic circumstances? Of course, we think of those who have lost loved ones, and uh, we pray for the families whose lives have been Uh, turned upside down. We can support them, as many uh, did in Manchester over recent days. We can rally round just like uh, they did down in Manchester. We can help one another and comfort one another and support one another because we all know that death is never easy to deal with. Death is our greatest enemy and all it leaves behind is a mess. When death comes into our lives, It just leaves a trail of heartache and sorrow. And whenever it comes or however it comes, it always leaves us in its shadow. But you know, the events of this week, they always remind me of a quote that I read years ago. Life is uncertain. Death is sure. Sin is the cause. But Christ is the cure. It seems so simple, but that's the reality of it. Life is uncertain, death is sure, sin is the cause, Christ is the cure. And you know, it reminded me that the only way we can truly deal with death is by trusting in Jesus Christ, because he has defeated death, he has conquered the grave, he has given to us the promise of eternal life. Therefore, the only way we can truly deal with death and the consequences of it all, is to cast all our cares upon Jesus. Why? Because he cares for us. He cares for us. My friend, the only way that we can truly deal with the mess that sin brings into our lives is by looking to Jesus Christ. Because life is uncertain. Death is sure. Sin is the cause. And Christ is the cure. And you know, when we come to this passage, we meet a woman who who may have experienced the awful tragedies of death. She had had five husbands. 
But she also knew and experienced that her life was in a mess. She knew that sin had wreaked havoc and caused an awful mess in her life. But when this woman of Samaria, when she met with Jesus, he dealt with her mess and he gave her a mission. Because from the moment that this woman met Jesus, she discovered that life is uncertain, death is sure, sin is the cause, and Christ is the cure. She discovered that the help and the cure to all the mess that we are confronted with in life, the help and the cure is Jesus Christ. And so this woman, she goes and tells those whose, whose lives are broken and broken with sin and who are hurting, she goes and tells others about this mess. And she says to them, come and see a man. Come see a man. Come and see Jesus. Because life is uncertain, death is sure, sin is the cause, and this Christ is the cure. This Christ is the cure. And that's what she says. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And you know, just this morning, I'd like us to follow this woman's experience. This woman who met with Jesus. And I'd like us just to consider it under three headings. The meeting, the mess, and the missionary. The meeting, the mess, and the missionary. So if we look first of all at the meeting. The meeting. If you turn back to verse 1, chapter 4. It says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near to the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now John, the gospel writer, he he introduces this chapter by telling us that the Pharisees were trying to incite competition between Jesus and John the Baptist. And so in order to avoid any confrontation with the Pharisees at this point, Jesus leaves Judea and he heads north towards Galilee. And you know, Jesus, he could have taken three possible routes in order to get to Galilee. He could have gone along the coastline or he could have gone around towards the River Jordan and up inland towards Galilee or he could have gone straight through Samaria. If you want to give it another illustration, it would be like traveling from Stornoway to Carloway. Stornoway to Carloway. There are three routes to Carloway. You can take the coastal route, which comes round to this bonny side of the island, up through Shawbust and round to Carloway. Or you could go through inland, through Achmoor and round to Carloway. Or you could go straight over the moor by taking the Pentland Road. But the Pentland Road is probably not advisable if you want your car to last a few years. But you know, it wasn't advisable to go through Samaria either. Not because of the road, but because the Jews and the Samaritans... They were enemies. They hated one another. There was this long-standing, deep-seated hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. In fact, the history between the Jews and the Samaritans, you can trace it all the way back to the time of Joseph. Because the Samaritans, they were all descendants of Joseph. 
And that's why John actually mentions Jacob's field in verse 5. A field that Jacob gave to Joseph. It was the land of the Samaritans. And like Joseph, you all remember the story of Joseph. Joseph was the outcast from his, all his brothers. And like Joseph, the Samaritans were also considered to be the outcast. The outcast tribe within the land of Israel. Because they were rejected. They were vilified by all the other Jews. But they were rejected because the Samaritans had intermarried with foreign nations. And this division within the land of Israel, it had caused a long history of animosity. And it, it escalated with every succeeding generation. Just like it does in our own situations. It escalates with generations. To the point that the Samaritans, they not only worshipped in a different temple in Israel itself. But the Samaritans were also considered a, a mongrel people in comparison to the pedigree Jews. The Samaritans were a mixed race. They were part Jew and part Gentile. And this is what caused the Jews to, to regard the Samaritans. They called them the vilest part of the human race. That was the description the Jews had of the Samaritans. They were the vilest part of the human race. And you know, when we understand the hatred and the prejudice and the animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans, we have to wonder why Jesus went through Samaria at all. There were other routes to get to Galilee. Jesus could have gone up the coastland or he could have gone inland. But Jesus decides to go through Samaria. And we're told that he went through Samaria because he had, this, he had to have this meeting with this Samaritan woman. This meeting was a divine appointment. And that's what John picks up on in verse 4. He says that he had to pass through Samaria. Literally, John's saying that it was necessary for Jesus to pass through Samaria. There was a divine appointment set for Jesus to meet with this immoral woman from Samaria and lead her to trust in the only saviour of sinners. It was necessary for Jesus to pass through Samaria. And you know, my friend, all our meetings with Jesus, they are divine appointments. They are all divine appointments. Even as we meet in church today, it's a divine appointment. The Lord knew who would be here today. And he knew who would not be here today. The Lord knew who would come to church today. The Lord knew that you would come to church today. It was a divine appointment. And Jesus has appointed to meet with you today in the gospel and speak to you about your soul. He has appointed to meet with you today. It is necessary, you could say, it is necessary for Jesus to pass through Barbas today to meet with you. It is necessary because he knows that there are people here who need him as their saviour. It is necessary because Jesus knows that you need to come to him and find rest for your soul. It is necessary because Jesus has appointed this meeting with you today. And he wants you to commit your life to him. It was necessary for Jesus to pass through Samaria. And when he did, John tells us that Jesus came to a place called Sychar. And because Jesus was tired and he was weary from his journey, he sat at Jacob's well, 
which was outside the city. And while he was sitting at Jacob's well, the disciples went in to the city to get food. And while Jesus was resting at Jacob's well, uh, that was when this divine meeting took place. But don't you find it fascinating that John tells us that Jesus was weary and hungry and thirsty. And it's fascinating because John's desire in, in writing his gospel, his desire is to remind us that this Jesus is the eternal son of God. He has no beginning and he has no end. John says that this Jesus is the word. He was the word in the beginning with God and that through this Jesus Everything was made. And it was that same word, he says, that became flesh and dwelt among us. And the glory of who he was, was that he was not only very God of very God, but he's also very man of very man. Meaning that Jesus is so like us that he experienced tiredness, hunger, thirst. He knew pain, heartache and sorrow. And he even encountered death. Jesus was not... Some far off deity that is so far removed from us that he can't understand anything we encounter or experience in life. No, this Jesus, John is saying, he entered into our world and he became so like us in order that he could relate to us. And you know, this is the the beauty of this divinely appointed meeting. That the woman of Samaria met this Jesus who could empathize with her and sympathize with all her weaknesses. My friend, this Jesus whom we read of today, who it is necessary for to come to Barbas today, he has been touched with a feeling of our infirmities and he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And that's why we can come to him today. That's why we should come to him today. Because Jesus knows us, he understands us. He knows all that we're going through. He knows the burdens we bear. He knows the struggles that we face. He knows the brokenness that we experience. He knows the worries that we have. And that's why we should come to him with all our burdens and cast them upon him. Because he cares for us. He cares for us. And he has provided for us, says the Bible, a throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. And that's what Jesus was going to provide for this woman. He provided for her a well of his grace. A well to draw from. A well of his grace. But as she came to Jesus, she didn't know him. She didn't know this man. She had come out to Jacob's well at midday, we're told, at the sixth hour. Sixth hour of the day. Which would be when the sun is at its its highest point. At its peak and at its hottest. And yet she comes out to draw water. And she meets with Jesus. And what's remarkable about this divine meeting. Is that no one ever went out at the sixth hour. To draw water. It was the hottest time of the day. You usually drew water out of a well. First thing in the morning or last thing at night. When the sun was going down or just rising, when it was cooler, you'd go out and draw water from a well. But this woman, she was an outcast in her community. And she came to the well in the heat of the midday sun. And she came because 
She was despised and vilified by all her fellow people in her town because of her immoral lifestyle. And she came to the well in the heat of the sun. And when she came to the well, she certainly didn't expect to find anyone there. She didn't expect anyone to be there. But Jesus was sitting there waiting for her. He expected her to come. He he was waiting for her to come. And when this divinely appointed meeting took place, Jesus came alongside this woman. And he asked her for help. He says, can you give me a drink? And you know, with only one question, Jesus broke down so many barriers. He broke down the gender barrier between men and women because women in the culture of the day, they weren't to speak to men. Jesus broke down the racial barrier between the Jews and the Samaritans, that hatred that was always there. But he also broke down the religious barrier. Because he asked an immoral woman for help. Most people had put up their barriers and pushed her away from them. And didn't want anything to do with this this woman. Because she was classed as unclean. But Jesus breaks down every single barrier. Just to speak to her about her need of salvation. And you know there's no doubt that this woman of Samaria. She was astonished at Jesus. Astonished that Jesus would be sitting there. And astonished that Jesus would speak to her. And she says to him, how is it? How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan? Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. But you know, as the conversation progresses, we have to see what Jesus is doing here. Because this is personal evangelism at its best. Personal evangelism at its best. Because Jesus came to this woman, not in a crowd, not in a a lobby group, or in a group of disciples. He came on his own. He didn't make her feel inferior, or intimidated, or afraid. He didn't Bible bash her and point out all her flaws and failings straight away and tell her she needs to sort herself out and repent of her sins. No, Jesus just spoke to her. And he spoke to her gently and personally. He gave to her his attention and sought to find out where she was at. And you know, as Christians, we could learn a lot from this this incident here. We could learn a lot from Jesus and his personal evangelism. We could learn a lot about the way we speak and the way we deal with people who are not Christians. Because people don't like mouthy Christians. They don't like mouthy Christians who shoot first and ask questions later. People don't like being intimidated and infuriated and made to feel inferior by people who point out all their flaws without actually getting to know where they're at. People don't like being Bible bashed about. I wouldn't like it. And I don't suppose anyone else would like it. Because we need to be personal with people. We need to be real with people. We need to get alongside people. We need to be like Jesus. See where they're at. Deal with them where they're at. And if the opportunity arises, do exactly what Jesus did. We bring the conversation round to talk about spiritual things. Not to hammer or to bash or 
to do these things, but to gently encourage and gently persuade. And that's what Jesus does. As the conversation progresses, he says to this woman, give me a drink. But woman, you need living water. You need living water. And pointing to Jacob's well that they're sitting beside, he says, everyone who drinks of this water, they'll be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus brings the conversation round from the everyday use of water and he makes a spiritual application. And he says to this woman that she needs to see that what the world has on offer for her, it isn't going to bring her any satisfaction. It's not going to bring her true happiness. And you know, she knows that. She knows it deep down. She knows deep down that there's something missing in her life. And so she says to Jesus, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water so that I may drink. But you know, before Jesus gives to her the living water, he wants her to confess the mess that she's in. And that's what we see secondly. This divine meeting with the Samaritan woman. It, the, the conversation it progresses about, to be about the mess that her life was in. So the meeting and secondly the mess. The mess. You look down at verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And so as this meeting with Jesus and uh, the Samaritan woman, as it progresses, uh, Jesus brought the conversation round to, to spiritual things, to make her see that what the world has on offer, it isn't going to bring her any satisfaction. It's not going to bring her true happiness and fulfillment and the enjoyment that it, it, it promises. Because the world promises us so much. But you know, it, it delivers so little. And Jesus is saying, you need living water. Everyone who drinks of this water will, this water from the world it they will be thirsty again. Everyone who drinks from the broken cisterns of this world that can hold no water. Everyone who tries to find their fill with what the world has to offer. Whether it's acceptance or, or money or power or fame or entertainment or happiness or strength. Whatever it is we're seeking. We always need better. We always need bigger. We always need faster. We always need more powerful we need the next buzz. We need more and more and more. And you know, without even realizing it, we're actually enslaved to these tyrants in our lives. They're in control of us because they're always telling us we need more. We need more. And Jesus says, as long as we keep coming to this fountain of dead water, we will never be satisfied. 
As long as we keep dipping our bucket in the bottomless wells of this world, we will thirst again and again and again. But Jesus says, whosoever will drink from the water that I will give him, they will never thirst again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And isn't it interesting that when Jesus was crucified upon the cross for sinners, when Jesus was condemned in our place, dying our death, bearing our hell, isn't it interesting that he says, I thirst. I thirst. And you know, those words of Jesus, they should be a reminder to us that If we continue to try and find satisfaction from the wells of this world. They will only leave us crying. Those same words of Jesus. From the torments of hell itself. I thirst. I thirst. But you know there's no reason you should thirst any longer. There's no reason why you should put off coming to this well of salvation because Jesus knows everything about you he knows everything about you and that's what we see with this Samaritan woman this divine meeting it's progressing to speak about the mess in her life Jesus says to her go and call your husband go and call him but the Samaritan woman says to Jesus I have no husband as if to say what do you mean you don't know me you don't know anything about me I have no husband And you know, with that we have to see that the Samaritan woman, she doesn't want to disclose her sin to Jesus quite yet. She still wants to portray to this Jesus that her life is good. And that she's a good person. And she's hard working because she's now at the well. And things are going well for her in life. Life isn't that bad. She's not really that dissatisfied or unhappy or something's missing. And she's presenting to Jesus this front, this facade that everything in her life is fine but Jesus knows her heart Jesus knows what's in every heart and he says to this woman you're right in saying that you have no husband because you have had five husbands and the one that you're now living with is not your husband and as soon as Jesus says those words the Samaritan woman she's Aware that he knows everything about her. And he knows that her life is in a mess. But what's remarkable is that this Samaritan woman. She has gone to great lengths to stay away from people. She's come to the well so that no one else would be there when she gets there. In order to hide the mess in her life. But when when she is confronted with Jesus. There's no hiding. There's no running away. There's no covering up. Because Jesus knew what was in her life. And he knew the mess that was in her life. And he tells her that she has spent her life trying to find satisfaction and happiness in the world. And she's looked for it in countless relationships. She's looked for someone to love her. And commit her life. Commit their life to her. And and take care of her. But every relationship she entered into, every marriage she committed herself to, they only left her more and more lonely. She felt alone. 
And she wasn't satisfied. She felt empty. She was in poverty. She was heartbroken. She was in a mess. And you could say that Jesus just goes to her and he tells her all her dirty laundry. And he just lays it out before her. And then he tells her, it's okay. It's okay. And we might point the finger and say, hang on. Hang on a minute. How's it okay? How's it fine? How's her behavior acceptable? How's sin in her life okay? My friend, it's okay because she brought it to Jesus. It's okay because Jesus knows everything about her. He knows the mess that her life is in. And it's okay because despite all that she has done in her life, Jesus still loves her. Jesus still loves her. And you know, my friend, that's the message of the Bible from start to finish. That's what we were singing about in Psalm 139. This Jesus knows everything about us. He knows when we get up in the morning. He knows when we sleep at night. He knows where we go. He knows our heart. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we're going to say before we even say it. He knows everything about us. And he even knows all our sins. He knows the mess that we get ourselves into. He knows all our sins and faults of youth. And yet despite all that we are. And all that we do. And all the mess that we get ourselves into. He says we are never beyond the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. Because in the eyes of Jesus we are never a lost cause. We are never an outcast. We're not beyond the pale. We're not unacceptable to him. No, this is the wonder of salvation that Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. And he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But being a friend of sinners doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care about sin. Jesus was crucified because of sin. He experienced hell because of sin. He died because of sin. Jesus never felt the pleasure of sin. He only ever felt the pain of sin. And Jesus knows what sin is. He knows what sin does. He knows where sin will take us if it's not dealt with. But that's why he's a friend of sinners. Who meets with us where we are at. Who deals with our mess in a personal way. Who speaks to us gently and carefully and considerately and compassionately. My friend, this Jesus knows everything about us. And he bids us to come to him in order to receive living water. And maybe you're saying to yourself, well, how can Jesus love me after all that I've done? How can he possibly look upon me? He might look upon somebody else, but, but not me. I'm so unworthy of this. Yes, you are unworthy of it. I'm unworthy of it. This Samaritan woman is unworthy of salvation. Everyone is unworthy of salvation. But Jesus comes and meets with us today and he says to us, it's okay. It's okay. And you know, it always reminds me of that children's hymn. Wide, wide as the ocean. High as the heavens above. Deep, deep as the deepest seas.
is my Saviour's love. I, though so unworthy, still am a child of his care. For his word teaches me that his love reaches me everywhere. My friend, the love of Jesus, it reaches us today where we are at. Where we are at. And it speaks to us in the gospel. And Jesus is telling us today, come and receive this living water. Because whosoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. Because the water that Jesus gives to us, it will be a well springing up to eternal life. So we're to come. Come because you're unworthy. Come because you need him. Come because he's asking you to come. And so we've considered the meeting, the mess. But lastly, the missionary. The missionary. Look again at verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. You know, the response of this Samaritan woman to the gospel, her response to the gospel was incredible. Because when Jesus met her at Jacob's well and dealt with all the mess that was in her life by satisfying her deep desires, she couldn't keep it to herself. She may have experienced the awful tragedies of death, but she certainly knew and experienced that her life was in a mess. She knew that sin had wreaked havoc in her life and caused an awful mess. But when this woman from Samaria, when she met with Jesus and when Jesus dealt with her mess, she became the first missionary. Because when she met with Jesus, this woman, she discovered life is uncertain. Death is sure. Sin is the cause. And this Christ is the cure. She discovered that the help and the cure to all the mess that we are confronted with in life, the cure is Jesus Christ. And as someone who met with Jesus and experienced the cleansing power of the gospel, she couldn't keep it to herself. She couldn't stay away from people any longer. She had to go and tell them that this Christ has come into the world to save sinners. And as we said, she spent most of her life staying away from people. Hiding in the shadows. Covering up the mess that was in her life. She stayed away because they knew her business. She was ashamed that people knew what she was like. They viewed her as an outcast and a lost cause. But when she met with Jesus. When she met with Jesus. It changed everything. And so this woman she goes and tells everyone in her town. Whose lives are broken, whose hearts are sore, and who have experienced sin and the mess that's in their own lives. And she says, Come, see a man. Come, see a man. Come and see this Jesus. Because life is uncertain, death is sure, sin is the cause, but this Christ is the cure. And like the Jews, the Samaritans, they were all waiting, they were all searching and looking for this Christ. They were longing for the saviour of sinners to come. And this Samaritan woman, she comes into the town, into the marketplace. And she says to them, come. Come see a man. Come and see a man 
who told me all my dirty laundry. He told me all the things that I've ever done. Is not this the Christ? Is not this the Savior of sinners? Come and see this man who told me everything about myself. Come see a man who, who revealed myself to me. And he said, it's okay. Come see a man who loves me just the way I am. Come see a man who, who says that you don't have to make yourself acceptable before, before I meet with you. Come see a man who knows all the mess who's in my, that's in my life. Come see a man who knows all the brokenness and all the heartache that sin brings. Come see a man who's a friend of sinners. Come and see this Jesus and commit your life to him and drink from his well of salvation. Come see a man, she's saying, that will satisfy your deep desires and that you will never thirst again. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? And what amazes me is that they came. They came. They went out and came to Jesus. They responded to the call to come and see Jesus. They didn't put it off. They didn't say, no, I'm busy. They didn't wait till a, a more convenient time in their life. They didn't wait until they were a better person. They didn't wait until they were more knowledgeable of the Bible. They didn't wait until they were more worthy. They didn't wait until they sorted out the mess in their lives themselves. They just came to Jesus as they were. They came to see this man, Jesus Christ. And if we were to read on, you can do that in the afternoon yourselves. If you were to read on in the chapter, we're told that they believed the testimony of this missionary. And they confessed that they knew Jesus to be the saviour of the world. And it's the same mission today. The same mission. People are going to you. Calling you to come to this Jesus. That you too would come and see that this Christ and is the saviour of sinners. And confess him to be your saviour. But you know what we see in this wonderful passage. Is that Beautiful passage in John 4. What we see with this meeting and the mess and the missionary. What we see is that Jesus loved people with truth. Jesus loved people with truth. Our modern culture tells us that we can't tell people that they're sinners. Or that without Christ they're going and moving towards a lost eternity in hell. We're often told that we can't tell people the truth because... That threatens them. It, it offends them. But you know everything Jesus ever said or did. It was completely against modern culture. And yet everything that Jesus ever said or did. It was for people. It was towards people. Because Jesus loved people with truth. He didn't hide from them the mess that sin had caused in their lives. He didn't cover it up. He didn't water it down. Or present this facade of self-righteousness. He just loved people with truth. The truth that we are all broken people. Living broken lives in a broken world. And our lives are in a mess. And we don't have it all together. We're not perfect. We're not squeaky clean. We're not strong. We don't know it all. 
Which is why we need to meet with Jesus. And ask him to deal with our mess. We need to come to this Jesus. Because he loves us. And he gave himself for us. My friend, it was necessary for Jesus to pass through Barbas today so that he could meet with you in the gospel. So that he could meet with you where you're at. So that he could meet with you in your mess. And the missionary call to you today is come. Come see a man. Come and see this Jesus and find in him the promise of eternal life. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to thee for the wonder of thy word, that it is a word that speaks to us where we are at. It's a word that is living and still active. A word that is so relevant to us each and every day of our lives. And help us, Lord, we pray thee, to, to hear what this word is saying to us. To hear what Jesus is saying to us in the gospel. That we might respond, that we might come and see this man for who he is. That he is the friend of sinners. That he is the saviour of sinners. That he is the one who does in us and for us, far above and beyond our asking or our thinking. O Lord, guide us, we pray. Cleanse us, keep us, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We shall conclude by singing the words of Psalm 66. Psalm 66, page 300. We're singing from verse 16 down to the end of the psalm. Psalm 66 from verse 16. All that fear God, come here I'll tell. What he did for my soul. I with my mouth unto him cried. My tongue did him extol. If in my heart I sin regard, the Lord me will not hear. But surely God me heard unto my prayer's voice give ear. O oh, let the Lord our gracious God forever blessed be, who turned not my prayer from him, nor yet his grace from me. These verses to God's praise.
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.